Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, continue on in our, our series of who we are. Um, uh, this series is really about the, the culture of Living Hope Family Church, the culture of who we are. And today we're going to talk about that we are a people who pray. Um, this is what Second Chronicles 7.14 says. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, this promise that was made, this is actually God. He went and uh, 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 came and spoke to Solomon. This is right after the temple had been dedicated. And uh, that night, God came to Solomon. This is what he said. He says, if my people who are called by my name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And the, the great thing about this promise is, is that we, 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 we turn away from everything else. We humble ourselves. What does that mean? That means that we quit trying to do everything ourselves and instead turn to God and put our trust in, in him, seek his face, turn from our old craziness, old wicked ways. And he says that it'll, that'll heal our land and he's going to heal from heaven and forgive our sins, all of those things. You know, and, and the Bible says that every promise is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. These promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but we still need to, to spend that time in prayer. And the reason, the reason this isn't so important is that you can't have a relationship without communication. You can't have a relationship with people if you don't actually talk to them. You know, that's one of the, the things that, that I'm so excited to be getting back uh, together with everybody because we can communicate more like we're used to. It's really easy to, to forget to text and to call, especially if you don't see people. But communication is so important for relationships. And prayer is how we communicate. It's how we talk to God. And truthfully, it's God will speak to us as well when we pray to him. And he does that in, in quite a few different ways. One, um, he's going to speak to you through his word. That's one of the things you should be doing is praying and spending time in your word and see how God will speak to you through his word. God is, will also speak to you uh, personally. That, that voice in your head, that, that conscience, is, is oftentimes God speaking to you. And we'll talk about how do you know if that's God or how do you know if that's just your thoughts uh, here in a little bit later. But the short version is, is, is if it's in line with the Word of God, if it's in line with Scripture, you can be sure that it is God speaking to you. If it's not in line with Scripture, then it is not God. Amen? And then finally, God will often speak to you through your leaders or through people that you uh, are, who are discipling you or people that you trust, those who, are, who God has put an authority above you. God will often speak to you through them. And it's, it's so important that we hear from God because so often we, we wonder, you know, what does God want me to do? What does God want from me? Does, you know, I, I just don't know what God wants. I know that's how my story started is, is I knew God wanted me to do something. I just didn't know, know what it was. And the question I ask people is, well, have you ever talked to him about it? Have you ever asked him about it? And I began to speak to God, and that's when other people began to speak to me, God, giving me words from God or, or, or directing me my leadership. And, and he's spoken to me through my word, and sometimes I, I feel God speaking to me in my spirit. And, and the key, though, is you actually have to ask, and you actually have to listen. You have to spend that time in prayer. And the reality is, is that if we want to be successful as Christians, then we're going to have to make prayer a priority in our life. And that's not just true for individual Christians, but if we want to be successful as a church, we need to make sure that, that prayer is a priority for the church as well. 
you know, every every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., um, we do our prayer meeting. And uh, I, I'm always hoping that the turnout is going to be greater. I mean, there's a there's a, a small few who are always there. But uh, uh, the truth is, is that prayer is for everybody. It's not just for certain people in the church that we should have everybody in the church uh, being part of that prayer meeting. And even going forward, I'm going to do my best to make it where you can meet in person at 9 a.m. Uh, or potentially have uh, uh, be available to, to jump in online as well. But uh, uh, I would just encourage you to be a part of that. Prayer is so important to do individually and to do corporately as well. Don't miss out on that. Don't let life distract you. Don't let all those other things get in the way uh, of, of doing something that will bring such... Um, uh, joy and growth in your life. Amen? So let's go ahead and take a look at the first scripture. First scripture that we're going to look at today is Colossians 4.2, and it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So first thing that I want to point out that prayer is not just a good idea, but it's actually a command. We are to continue steadfastly in prayer. Um, Paul, Paul says here to continue steadfastly and, and in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 he actually says pray without sisting, without sisting, without ceasing so uh, don't cyst while you pray either that's, that's not healthy but definitely pray without ceasing as well so how do we pray without ceasing how do we continue steadfastly in prayer because there's the, the reality if, if we were to constantly be speaking constantly be praying that we wouldn't be able to do anything else in life so the that actually can't be what he's talking about. So what is he talking about? He's talking about an attitude of heart. To pray without ceasing is to cease. Man, it's going to be one of those days. To pray without ceasing is going to be always being in an attitude of prayer. So what does that look like? When you have those down moments, are you thanking God? When something good happens, is your first instinct to thank God? Uh, when something's going on, is your first instinct to to reach out to God for help or for guidance or for wisdom? Um, that attitude of prayer, that means throughout the day that you are constantly speaking to God. You know, one person uh, uh, said that that uh, I don't I don't pray for longer than 15 minutes very often. But I don't very often go for over 15 minutes without praying. You know, and that's the key is that we, we're, we're constantly in communication with God throughout our day. It's an attitude that we have. And those two places are not the only ones. Second, 1 Timothy 2.8 says this, I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. You find these commands in the, the, the Old Testament as well. First Chronicles 16.11, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. It's this attitude of always being in the presence of God, always communicating with God. And then it says here, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. You know, uh, being watchful, this means that you need to, to actually have control of your thoughts on this. Uh, an example of this, one of the things that I have to be careful with, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one, is that when I'm praying, I don't know, have you ever been praying and all of a sudden you kind of snap to it and you realize you've been thinking about something else for the last 10 minutes, your mind's just wandering all over the place? It's because we're not we're not uh, uh, being watchful. We're not being focused. So something that I do, and I would encourage you to do is pray out loud whenever you can. You're much less likely to wander off in thought if you're praying out loud. But he says that we continue steadfastly in prayer. We're being watchful in it. That means that we're, we're watchful. We're listening. We're expecting to hear from God. And then we do it with thanksgiving. 
you know, the, that's another attitude that every Christian should have is just an attitude of thanks. We're going to talk about that in a little bit when we talk about what does it look like for prayer? Uh, what does prayer look like? What is the pattern of prayer? But thanksgiving is such a big part of it, recognizing everything that you have and just thanking God for it. Matter of fact, if you would just start your day every morning uh, in prayer, just thanking God for everything that you have. Um, I think that would make a huge impact in your life. And it's everything. I mean, thank God that you have a vehicle, you have a home, that you have a family, that you have friends, that you have a job, that you have clothes, that you have uh, everything that you have. Every one of us can look around at our houses right now and see that God has given us so much. Keep that attitude of thanksgiving when you're speaking to God. And here's the reality, church, is that prayer is, is one of the most important aspects of being a Christian. Because like I said earlier, you can't have a relationship without communication. If you want to have a relationship with God, you have to speak to him. You have to talk to him. Otherwise, you won't have that relationship. You know, one of the things I recognize is that if I never spoke to my wife, then we would have no relationship. If I never spoke to her, our relationship would fall apart. It would fail pretty quickly. But, but communication is important to having in a relationship. And it's, it's the, the same is true with God. If you wonder why you feel distant from God, if you wonder why you feel like he's far away, like you don't have a relationship, it's not because God has run away. It's because you've not come to God in prayer. That's the one thing I notice in my life the most when I feel like God is distant is because if I, I'll realize, man, I've gotten so busy that I'm not dedicating that time to prayer and spending time in his word as I normally do. And then I feel like God's far away. But the truth is God was never far away. It's just that I walked away. But if you want that relationship to remain strong, then you need to, to set that time aside to spend time to communicate with him. See, we're commanded to pray. We're commanded to keep in communication with him because it's instrumental to having a relationship with him. And we actually see that Jesus actually sets this example for us in Luke 22, 39 through 42. It says, and he came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I want you to see something here. Jesus sets the example for us. And, and he's, the, he's Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is God incarnate, God in the flesh. And he finds it necessary to pray and be in communication with God the Father. If Jesus has the necessity to be in prayer and communication with God, I can ensure you that every single Christian has that same necessity. And you'll notice that this wasn't a one-off thing. This isn't a one-off. If we go back to, to verse 39, it says, he came out and went as was his custom. This is something that he did regularly. This was his custom. He did it so often that they recognized this was something about who he was. It was his custom. As we're talking about right now, uh, uh, this whole series is about the culture of living church because it should be our custom, our culture, to spend time in prayer, not only as a church, but as individuals as well. But it was his custom, custom to get away and spend some time with God. So it says he, he, he went off to the Mount of, uh, of Olives and he told them to pray. And then finally it says that he withdrew and knelt down in prayer. 
You know, the reality is, is that we should be imitating everything that Jesus did. First Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We should be imitating Jesus as well. And then James 4, 1 through 3, it says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You know, another part of prayer is that we, we bring our, our requests, the stuff that we need to God. We should be praying for provision. We should be praying for the things that we need in our life. You know, he even says here, you desire and you do not have. The reason you don't have is because you do not ask. You're not actually praying. And some of this, I don't know about you guys, but uh, uh, have you ever had that thought that you don't want to ask God for something because it seems like it's too minor? Or it seems like you'd somehow be wasting God's time. So we don't ask for it and we don't receive it. And then we wonder why God's not doing what he said he's going to do. But it's because we don't actually spend the time in prayer to speak to him. And then on the flip side of this, so many of us, the only time we ever talk to God is when we need something. The only time we ever, if you've ever been in a relationship where the only time someone comes up and talks to you or interacts with you because they need you, need something from you, you recognize that's not a real relationship. Don't do that to God either. Now, definitely bring your request to him because that's what we're supposed to be doing. But also bring your joy to him. Bring your thankfulness to him. Talk to him and just tell him about your day. Spend that time communicating with him. And then the closer you are to God, the more that you see that that he's faithful, the, the more you know who he is because you spend time with him, then you recognize and you can look at scriptures like Philippians 4, 6, where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know that you can trust God. You know that you can ask him for, for anything that you need, and and he's going to make sure that you're taken care of. And we should be trusting God for everything. And I was joking this morning and, and told Michelle that she was going to make the sermon today, and here's where it's at. You know, for so many years, and I have to tell you that this used to drive me crazy, but uh, anytime Michelle wanted to know something, she would call, Mich- she would call her dad. Or if, if I told her something, she would call her dad to verify. She, would, she just never trusted. She never believed me. She, her dad was the one that she trusted. And every, she needed something. She had a question. She needed to know something. Even if I told her something, she would always go and call her dad. Advice, information, no matter what it was. And I have to admit that it drove me crazy, but it illustrated something that is so important. Is that... Who we call first when we're in trouble says something about us. It says something about who we trust. You see, the reality is that when Michelle needed something, she called her dad. Now, this was before me, and it was several years after we met, and she still does it to this day. Thankfully, she trusts me a little bit more now, and uh, uh, so so we moved past that. But she still calls her dad. She still trusts him. And uh, But it's so amazing to me that when she was in trouble, when she needed something, No matter what it was, he was the one that she called first. So the question I ask you, when you need anything, when you're in trouble, who do you call first? Are you trusting in your job to save you? Are you trusting in your retirement funds? Are you trusting in in your government? Are you trusting in your spouse for everything? 
Our first call should always be to the Lord. When we need something, it should always be to the Lord. Even if somebody says they can provide something, we still go to the Lord and we thank him for it. We speak to him about it. We ask for wisdom and guidance and we trust him. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we asked of him. The Bible says that if you ask for anything according to God's will, that he's going to make sure that you get it, that you have it. Now, how do we know what, what God's will is? If it's in line with his scripture, if it's in line with his word, that's the easiest way to tell if something is in line with God's word. So if you want to pray something, pray the prayers you find in the Bible. You know for a fact they're in line with God's words. When you're praying for healing, when you're praying for provision, when you're praying for all those things, they're in line with God's word. And when we ask, we should ask as we all ask as if we already have it. So instead of, instead of always saying, uh, uh, God, can I have this? You know, will you do this? Just begin to thank him for it. So instead of saying, God, thank you that we're going to, uh, that I have a, uh, that I'm going to have enough money to pay rent. You, 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 instead of asking God for the money to pay rent, you thank him that he's given it to you. You say it in thanksgiving as if you already have it because we trust him. And like I said, the quick test to know if it's in line with the will of God is if it's in line with the scripture. And the closer you are to God, the more likely that your thinking is aligned with his. You know, there comes a point as you mature in your walk with God, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time um, um, praying and getting to know him, you have to stop asking those questions. Is this in line with the will of God? Because your thinking aligns with him. And you're not going to ask for stuff that's outside of the will of God. You know, if you're asking for that, that guy down the road that you don't like to be hit by a bus, God's not going to answer that prayer. That's not in line with the will of God. If you're asking uh, for, uh, uh, for your, your neighbors down the street, if you're single and you, and you really like someone, you're, you're praying that they would get divorced so that you can be with that woman. That's not in line with the will of God. Those are the things that God's not going to answer. But if you are walking with the Lord, if you're in alignment with him, you're never going to ask for those things because your thoughts will be like his thoughts. And then anything you ask will be in the will of God. Jesus also had some warnings on how not to pray. Matthew 6, 7 through 8 says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for that they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus had some warnings on how to pray. Some stuff's important too. Don't let your words be empty. Don't let them just, you know, when, when we pray, we're actually speaking to God. We're not just on autopilot repeating the same things over and over and over again. The truth is, is God isn't moved by repetition. We should ask God once for something and then begin to thank him from him then on out. Just thank him that we've received it. You see, Elijah you remember, mocked the prophets of Baal for the same thing when they were just saying re repetition of words, trying to get Baal to move. In 1 Kings 18, 27, this is one of my, my favorite verses of the Bible because it's so funny. It says in 1 Kings 18, 27, cry aloud. You remember, he's mocking the prophets. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Now, in the New Wayne translation, Elijah just basically said, 
Maybe your God's pooping. You got to yell louder. But they just yelled and they were over and over and over and over again. They just talked over and over. And they, they figured that they could browbeat their God into doing something. Now, obviously, we know that Baal is no God, but that's what these people were thinking. But God is not moved by empty repetition. He's moved by, by faith and the attitude of your heart. God is also not moved by the amount of people praying. One of the things that drives me crazy is when you see stuff on Facebook where it's just asking for, for as many people to pray as they can because they think if they hit some tipping point, then God has to say yes. The truth is, is that the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of one man is just as effective as the prayer of many. When we ask the people to pray with us, it's not because we're trying to reach that threshold or tipping point. It's because we're standing in agreement in faith. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. So we stand in agreement, not in some way trying to strong arm God into doing what we're doing. Matthew 6, 5, 6 says this, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Prayer is also not a a show. Prayer is is not about um, fancy speech, and I thank God for that. You guys know how often I mess my words up. But prayer is, is, is not a show. It's not about fancy speech, and it's not to show how spiritual you are. Prayer is just talking to God, and you can, you know, people are, are, always wonder how are they supposed to pray talk to god just like you would talk to your friends just speak to him normally it's not about eloquent speech or fancy words it's about communicating to a god who loves you and this prayer is a normal aspect of our relationship with god so how do we pray this is what jesus says in matthew 6 9 through 13 you notice this is a continuation of this last verses. It says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this is, is, it's not a prayer necessarily to be repeated verbatim. This is actually a pattern of how to pray. When, when, when the teachers back then would teach, they would teach in patterns so you knew what was going on. So what is the pattern of this prayer? Well, first thing it says is, Our Father, our name, hallowed be your name. This was a, crest that, a request that God's name be, be, be hallowed. The, the Greek word is, is, is uh, hagiastheto from hagiazo. It means to set apart or to sanctify or as here to treat as holy. Thus, the the request for was for God's reputation to be revered by men. So the first thing, it says, pray like this, our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What that means is begin to praise and worship God. Begin to honor him. Tell him he's worthy, he's holy. Begin to glorify God in your prayer. That's the first part of prayer. The second one says, your kingdom come. The second request was your kingdom come. And John the Baptist, Jesus, the 12, the 72, they'd been preaching about the coming of God's kingdom. 
And when a, a person is praying for the coming of God's kingdom, he's identifying with the, the, the message of Jesus and his followers. So when we begin to pray for God's kingdom come, that's when we're praying for people to get saved, for people to get touched by God, to where we're praying for that revival in our community, in our cities, in our family. So that's the next thing. You, you, you glorify God, you pray for God's kingdom to come. And uh, the next thing is, uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just uh, as a side note, this idea of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that kind of tells me that uh, everything that happens on earth is not God's will. If, it, if everything that happened on earth right now was God's will, then why would we be praying for his will to come, that his will to be done. It seems like that would be silly for them to ask us to pray, but that's a side note, something to think about. Um, if everything on earth that happened right now was God's will, why would he ask us to pray for his will to be done down here if it was already being done? Anyway, something to ponder. Next part is, uh, give us this day our daily bread. This is provision. Bread uh, is a general term denoting nourishing and filling food and all those things. So the, this request for food here is request for provision. So, you know, honor God, ask for his kingdom to come, begin praying for your needs. Ask God to fulfill your needs, to give you food, all of those things. The fourth request concerns a man's relationship with God. The forgiveness of sins. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, the, Luke had already uh, linked the, the forgiveness of sins to faith. You can read about that in, in uh, Luke seven thirty six through 50. But this was that story of the woman who anointed Jesus with uh, perfume. And he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus had already uh, linked faith and salvation uh, of that point, forgiveness of sins and salvations. So when we're asking for the forgiveness of sins, we're actually expressing our faith in God that he will forgive them. That's one of the things that's talking about. We're, we're thanking God that he has forgiven us of all of our sins. And if we believe, that's what he says here, forgive us our debts. And then also, as we also have forgiven our debtors, what's that mean? That means that any person uh, that believes that God's forgive us, it's natural that we should forgive others. It's natural when we see when we see other people that that we would want to ex express the same sort of forgiveness that has been expressed towards us. It's a natural response to what has been done for us. You remember that parable that Jesus told about the the man that was forgiven a great debt and then he went away and he he went to his fellow slave and he extracted a small debt from him. You see that was a guy who was who was thought he just had a little bit of time added. The, the, his master had forgiven that great amount of debt, but he didn't really believe it. If he believed it, then he wouldn't need to get the money from his slave because he, wouldn't, he didn't have any debt to pay off. But a person that really believes that they've been forgiven and understands the forgiveness that they have, it's natural for them to extend forgiveness for others. And then finally, the fifth request in this pattern is lead us not into temptation. You see, this is a, this is a weird one because... Uh, if you if you read that at first glance, it's almost like God is is going to tempt you to sin, um, but that seems weird because we know God doesn't want us to sin. Why would God uh, tempt you to sin? But the the meaning here that that is actually being spoken of is that we would pray that we are delivered from situations that would cause us to sin. Pray that that if you're in a situation that would cause you to sin, that you would see that way out. The Bible says that God will always provide a way out. The problem is many of us don't see or take that way out. Pray that God would would would, would provide those ways to, to get you out of situations where you're tempted. 
You know, the reality is the disciples realized that they were easily drawn into sin. And if they, if they weren't diligent, they could be plucked back into those old things. So the Jesus said, pray to God to, for, for help to live a righteous life. And then finally, when we're talking about this is the pattern for prayer, I want to remind you again, if you want to learn how to pray, if you want to see it done, come to the prayer meeting. Spend time in prayer with other believers, and you're going to see how to pray as well. James 1, 5 through 8 is going to be the next one. Um, James 1, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know, one of those, wisdom is one of those things that it's actually wise to ask for. I know that doesn't make any sense, but if you want to be, if, if you want to use wisdom, then ask for wisdom. And thank God the Bible says that when you, when you ask for wisdom, that, uh, that he gives generously and he does it without reproach. That means he doesn't think less of you for asking. One of the things I ask for all the time is for wisdom. Once I realized that, that if I ask God for wisdom, he's not going to go, you know, you really should know this, Wayne. He actually doesn't say that. God says he's going to give you wisdom generously and without reproach. He doesn't think less of you. Matter of fact, you're demonstrating that you're, 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 you're demonstrating wisdom by asking God for more wisdom. And when you ask, it's given to you. And we know this because uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that we ask, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked for him. So is asking for wisdom in God's will? Of course it is, because it says right here in the Bible, if you lack wisdom, ask for him. But then it says, let him ask in faith with no, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. The reality is, is that we receive answer to prayer in proportion to our faith. If we have doubt, the Bible says that, that we're unstable. And matter of fact, it says if you're unstable, then you shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. If we're unstable, then we, we can't have the confidence that we're to receive. But God is looking for people who will pray in faith, people who are convinced that God will answer. That's why I always encourage people, don't pray, God will you, but pray, thank you that you have. If you're asking for something, immediately begin thanking God that you have what you're asking for, because that's an act of faith, believing that you have it, even when you haven't physically seen it. Pray like that. God isn't looking for, for wishy-washy people who are unstable. He's looking for people that are convinced that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So ask in faith. We need to be praying for others as well. Ephesians 1, 16 through 21 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. He says, I don't cease giving thanks for you. This is, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. In verse 18, he says, having the eyes of our hearts, of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? 
that the work that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So like I said, we shouldn't just be praying for our needs, but this is an example we should be praying for the needs of others. Your prayer shouldn't just be that that us for and no more mentality. You should be looking outwards. We need to be praying that other people would be wise. And it's I'm not just talking about praying for the pastors either, although I certainly, me and Michelle certainly appreciate your prayer, um, but pray for everybody in the church. Pray for your family members. Pray for your friends. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your government leadership. Uh, pray for the, the president. Pray for, for your enemies. You know, we, we should be praying for everyone. And this is a perfect example of what we should be praying for people. Um, one, that they would have a revelation of, of, of Jesus Christ, that they would see clearly. And the truth is, is that we need that from one another. We need to be praying for one another. You know, one of the, the simplest things that you, you can do is, is write a list of everybody at the church or your friends and family. And that way you can, you can put them in a journal and you can say, well, I'll pray for this group of people on this day and this people on that day. That way you don't forget anybody and you're praying for people. The reality is, is that we live in a fallen world and there's craziness all around us. And we talked about last week uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit that we still need the power of the Holy Spirit and we still need prayer for one another. And I think that if we would make that a regular part, not just the, the handful that do, and for those of you who already do this, I am so thankful for your diligent prayer. But I think we would see even greater movement if every single one of us would make it a point to spend time in prayer for one another. I think that we're going to see movement in the body of Christ like we've never seen. If we would just commit to that, we will see blessing. Uh, We'll see more blessing. We're going to see change in people's lives. We're going to see growth in people's lives. If we would just take the time and spend time in prayer for one another. You see, this was the example set for us by the early church and we're going to end here in acts 2 42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers you know there was three things that were important here to the to the early church the apostles teaching which is the word of god they made the, the word of god uh number one priority and fellowship and breaking of bread, that means that they made relationships priority. You know, you you guys may wonder why I always try to have, well, we have something once a month. And we'll probably start kicking this off again in a few months once things settle down a little bit. But that that once a month where we just stay together and have lunch uh, after service or we go to Jan's house and have lunch. This isn't something that that I, I just think is a good idea. This is scripturally important that, that we get together, that we break bread together, that we have fellowship with one another, that we meet with one another. Because church, we're a family and families are supposed to get together. Relationship is important. And then finally here, it says that uh, prayers were the other thing that they devoted themselves to. Church, we need to make prayer a priority in, in our life. If you already have that as priority, if you're doing it regularly, I commend you. I applaud you. Uh, Thank you so much. But if you don't, this is the time to make a change. You know, pray for God to show you how you can make it work. Pray for God to show you if this is necessary. You know, God will will point those things out to you. Um, If you're feeling convicted right now, remember, it's not condemnation. 
Remember, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. Conviction is about change. It's about growth. So make a change. Make a difference. Spend time in prayer. Start a prayer journal. Um, Write things down when God is speaking to you. Write things down that you're praying for. Make a list like I just talked about of your friends and family and make sure that you're praying for them. If you're married, make sure that you're praying with your spouse. And here's the thing is that, you know, for so many of us, uh, Christianity is about picking out the parts we like. And doing away with the hard stuff. But the reality is is that we can't pick and choose. We need to do all of these things. We need to give all. We need to follow the example of Christ in the early church and spend time in prayer. Even if that means it's going to be a little inconvenient. Even if that means that you're going to have to get up half an hour earlier every morning so you can set some time aside for, for spending in your word and your Bible. Even if it means that you're going to have to come to church at 9 a.m. instead of 10 to be part of the prayer meeting. Don't let inconvenience rob you from something that is so important and essential to being a Christian. Church, I encourage you, spend that time in prayer. Make a point right now. Say, for the next two weeks, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time every day for prayer and see what happens. See how you feel closer to God, how you're going to grow in your faith and your strength. And I would just encourage you, make prayer an essential part of your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and and bow our heads. I always want to give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. We talked about today about having a relationship with God and and uh, if you're out there and you don't have a relationship with God, if, you, if you're not right with God, I want to give you the opportunity right now. I want to give you the opportunity to to say yes, because here's the thing. God loves you so much. He wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. He wants nothing more to 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 speak to you and to and for you to be right with him. And and he loved you so much. He wanted that so much that he sent his son to pay the penalty for every sin, every failure, every mistake, uh, every falling down, every stumble that you've ever made. Jesus paid the price for that. And all that we're asked to do is to respond in faith, to say yes, to receive that free gift of salvation. So I want to to give anybody out there right now, if you've never received that free gift of salvation, if you're not right with God and you want to be right with God, go ahead and and, uh, bow your head and just pray in agreement with me as I pray a prayer. And then as as soon as I'm done, I want you to put in the chat, I just said that prayer, Pastor Wayne, so that we can pray with you. So just if, like I said, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to, just pray and agree with me. Father, I just thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son to give his life for me. I know that I can never make up for the sins and failures in my life. But I thank you that you sent your son to pay the penalty for me. And I I receive your free gift of salvation. I thank you, Father, for making me clean, for making me whole, for forgiving me of all my sins through the finished work of Jesus Christ, who died the death for me, who paid the price for me. And from this day forward, I call Jesus my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know right now that um, it's 
not that, that prayer. It's not saying those words that save you, but it's an attitude of heart of trusting God, saying, yes, you are my Lord and Savior. And if that was you today, and, and for the first time you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, go ahead and call me. Numbers on the church website. Send me an email. Go ahead and put it in the chat right now. Um, because we want to pray with you. We want to reach out with you. We want to tell you about the next steps, and we want to celebrate with you because you are not who you used to be. You are brand new. Your sins have been forgiven. They are washed away. Your past has been washed away, and you have been made brand new, and you are right with God. Hallelujah.